It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome to this Wednesday pre-NFL schedule release episode of Locked On Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs, your host. As you are listening to this on Wednesday, the odds are high that by now you have heard what the Dolphins' Week 1 matchup is. That will be released on Wednesday morning. I am recording on Tuesday night. And then, of course, tomorrow or tonight, when you're listening, uh, the big week-by-week reveal by this time Thursday, whenever you're listening, we will know the entirety of the Miami Dolphins' 2021 schedule. To that, I pour a small of Gentleman's Jack, and we are going to set off on our last non-schedule-specific content for the week here on Locked On Dolphins. Uh, What we are going to do is take a little gander at the AFC East, our contemporaries in the AFC East, our rivals in the AFC East, and we're going to ask ourselves a very simple question, one very simple question. Are the Miami Dolphins closer or further away from where they started this offseason to Team A, B, or C in the AFC East uh, with what they have did courtesy of the NFL Draft? We're going to stay specifically in the NFL Draft. I don't want to get in a free agency because New England signed 18 million different players. But before we get there, one observation, one additional observation to Peter King's Football Morning in America column that came out earlier this week. That spotlighted the Dolphins' decision to trade down from 3, back to 12, and up to 6, and what that looked like. We talked about a little bit yesterday on Power to the Pod, as far as the Dolphins' rebuild being over, as far as the Dolphins are concerned. I think the other interesting thing here is the dynamics and the influence that not only that mentality, but Brian Flores had in that decision-making process, in stating that, Chris, if we move down to 12, we have to find a way to get back up into the top 10. And sure enough, you look at the team, what what was there for teams, uh, and you saw jockeying between the Giants and the Eagles, the Eagles jumping the Giants to get to 10 after trading back in the first place in order to guarantee they could draft Devontae Smith. I think that's kind of the... The playbook Miami, based on their intel, anticipated they were going to have to be ready to push play on, really. Um, But I do think what's fascinating uh, about that dynamic between Chris and Brian is the true cohesiveness in which Chris Greer and Brian Flores are working is the singular biggest reason why you should have excitement as a fan of this regime, because for so many years with so many other power players in the Dolphins organization, we aren't were we were not all rowing in the same direction. We were not. There is everybody answers to Stephen Ross. 
I need to make sure my job security is high. And if the team's not performing at a high level, then that means it must be somebody else's fault. So I got to tell Stephen Ross who else's fault it is so he doesn't fire me by mistake. Now, granted, it's, it's a lot easier to work cohesively and collaboratively uh, when you were supposed to be one of the worst teams in NFL history and you end up winning five games. And then you are supposed to win five, six games, but according to most of the uh, major publications with their season predictions. And then, lo and behold, you turn around and you rip off 10 wins in year two. Winning cures all, as the saying goes. And I think that's why 2021 is a critical year for the Dolphins. Uh, because we've seen the Dolphins manage to piece together 8-8, eight and 10-6, eight, and 11-5, just a handful of times uh, in the last 15 years. And every single time that they have, they've never been able to do a repeat performance. So that is the most high-stress dynamic, as far as I'm concerned, with the Dolphins this season. Isn't We get to find out if they're for real, for real. If we like we think they are. But knowing that Chris Greer and Brian Flores can talk about these kinds of decisions, Brian Flores says, if we do this, we have to move back up. And I think that's the other piece of the puzzle. And, and you know, as we've kind of theorized why the Dolphins made this decision to move back up from 12 to 6 and give up an extra one, um, you can collectively look at it as one move. Because if the Dolphins couldn't get back up to six or back inside the top 10, they weren't going to go back to 12. So it's one move, really. It's just compartmentalized into two separate transactions. But I thought that gave you a really interesting look into the Dolphins' hierarchy and their thought process behind the trade that went down that completely changed the course of any number of teams in the top 10 and the top 12 of this year's class, Miami owned the draft again. And as Brian Flores says, the guys we got in 19, 20, and 21, this is the team. Now, Miami might own the headlines in the draft again down the road, uh, but I would imagine it will probably be a result of an aggressive move. Um, They'll be selective. You know, I'm sure there'll be times where they don't like what they have on the board for options and they move out or, Maybe they do make a, a financial decision and trade a player down the road like Xavier Howard, who's commanding $20 million per season, and the Dolphins just don't want to pay him that because they have a ton of depth at corner. So maybe we get to a point in which they have premium assets upon premium assets again and again and again. But like this was a really rare intersection of team building and success, and you don't usually see it happen like this. So just kind of retrospectively looking back at the last two draft classes and the talent and influx and players that have been brought in that were drafted in the first three rounds of the last three years, and you get really, really excited about what this team is is capable of being. And as Brian Flores himself said, the guys on the roster now are the ones that are going to determine whether or not we make noise and realize our potential. So that's the mentality we have to start viewing the team at because that's the mentality the team is looking at their roster. Listen up, Dolphins fans. Nugenics, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans across America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T, text DRAFT to 231-231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by Testafin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels 
and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now, and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231231. That's DRAFT to 231231. Message and data rates may apply. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So let's get into the AFC East and the teams that we are going to have to worry about twice next year. The draft classes that they had and whether or not Miami is closer to that team or further away. We'll start with the Buffalo Bills, first place, 13-3. and One of those losses, a miracle loss, courtesy of the Arizona Cardinals, the DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, Hail Mary at the end of the game. So Buffalo was about as good as good can get last year. And they had to be extremely frustrated, which you absolutely hate to see. I'm just devastated for them. Uh, that, that they came up short of an AFC championship, losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. And here's the thing about what Buffalo did, their draft class. They took Gregory Rousseau, defensive end from Miami at 30. Carlos Basham, defensive end from Wake Forest at 61. Spencer Brown, offensive tackle from Northern Iowa at 93. Nothing else until the fifth round. They took Tommy Doyle, an offensive tackle from Ball State. Wide receiver Marcus Stevenson from Houston at 203. DeMar Hamlin at 212. Safety from Pittsburgh. Rashad Wild Goose, corner from Wisconsin at 213. And an interior offensive lineman, Jack Anderson, Texas Tech at 236. Buffalo brought everybody back. Everybody back. Literally, the only starter not returning for Buffalo next year is John Brown, and they signed Emmanuel Sanders to take his place. Like, the assistant coaches are back, the players are back, all the starters are back, everybody's back. That's the bad news for a team that won 13 games last year. Cruised through their schedule, with the exception of a handful of games. But here's the good news if you're the Dolphins. You look at what they got in this year's class. Greg Rousseau, Carlos Basham, Spencer Brown, top three picks. That's their top 100 haul, those three players. I don't think any of them start, and I would not be surprised if Rousseau or Basham make a significant impact at all on the team. Spencer Brown's not going to start, period. You you only start five offensive linemen. He's not going to be a starter unless there's injuries. Uh, Rousseau and Basham, Basham does not have the pass rush appeal, and Rousseau has to figure out what weight he's going to play at, have to get to that weight, and then refine and prove that he's advanced himself from a technical perspective after redshirting in 2020. So when you look at it from that perspective, that's the question with the Buffalo Bills, is what did you get this year to put you over the top, to push you past the plateau that you hit last year? And I think for Buffalo and their perspective, you're literally running it back. 
You have the exact same team, for better and for worse. And because the Dolphins are a team that I strongly believe has gotten better and how much better they are is going to be determined by the steps forward that Tua Tagovailoa takes because I think there's little question this team is more capable of explosive plays. I think they're going to play a little bit more vertical style of passing offense, loosen things up. Uh, they are going to have the physical runner in Malcolm Brown that they did not have last year, even though his ceiling is a three-down back, is not very appealing, and he's going to be somebody who, when he's in the game, you're tipping your hand a little bit as far as what you're doing. I think they're better on the offensive line. I think Skura has better physical talent than Karras. It's just a question of, you know, can he smooth over those snap issues that he had last year? Kinley in place of Flowers is an upgrade. Hunt in place of Kinley at right tackle or right guard is an upgrade. And Eichenberg is a better pass protector, assuming he wins the starting right tackle job, than Robert Hunt is. He's not as explosive in the run game, but he's still very good, very good in climbing vertically off the line of scrimmage. And he's a better pass protector than what Robert Hunt is. Defensively, you got better depth in the secondary. You got more options to play in the slot. You got a true pass rusher at your disposal. You got a better run plug in Mike Linebacker. The Dolphins are a better team, and the Bills are the exact same team. So from a de facto perspective of, you know, I'm not saying they're going to chase the Bills down, but the Dolphins are closer to the Bills now than what they were at the start of the offseason. Period. That's the good news. The New England Patriots. Uh, Miami obviously finished ahead of New England, three games ahead of New England in the standings. The Dolphins were the team that was fortunate enough to kick New England right to the curb, say thanks for playing this year. You guys can sit down, enjoy not playing in January. Uh, eliminated New England from the Patriots in Week 15 with a Dolphins dub, 22-12. to And um, I think New England is unquestionably a better team as well. Uh, you look at their draft class, Mac Jones at 15, quarterback, Alabama, Christian Barmore, defensive tackle, Alabama at 38. They traded up for him. Ronnie Perkins, pass rusher at from Oklahoma at 96. Running back, Ramondre Stevenson at 120 from Oklahoma. Linebacker, Cameron McGrone at 177. He's from Michigan. Safety, Joshua Bledsoe from Missouri at 188. Offensive tackle, Will Sherman from Colorado at 197. Wide receiver, Trey Nixon, UCF 242. Here's what's interesting. For everything else that New England did this offseason, free agency perspective, signing the two tight ends, signing Nelson Aguilar, signing Matt Judon, signing Devon Godchow, signing anybody and everybody under the sun, really. They signed a ton of talent. And then they come out and they draft really, really well with the exception of the first-round pick in Mac Jones, which flies in the face, in my opinion, of everything else that the Patriots tried to accomplish this offseason. Draft a rookie quarterback at 15, QB5, amid the biggest spending spree the franchise has ever experienced, amid a massive regression without Tom Brady and trying to bounce back from that and win now. You've retained Cam Newton, You've paid him a deal that has a bunch of incentives in it for performance base. Is Cam Newton starting or is Mac Jones starting? And if the answer is Cam Newton, then if you're a team that's contending for right now, why did the Mac Jones pick make sense? 
I think the Dolphins had a better draft class than New England uh, from my personal evaluations as much as, as just kind of looking at the teams and what their needs were. New England did well. To get Barmore, Perkins, Stevenson, McGrone, and Bledsoe, that stretch of picks in rounds two, three, four, five, and 6 is excellent value. Bill, thanks for listening to the show. Seriously. But Miami had more picks early, and as a result, the de facto end result is I think Miami got better players. Is Miami still ahead of New England? In my opinion, the answer is yes. But it's close. New England is a team that if they get good Cam Newton, or if they decide to start Mac Jones, and Mac Jones plays to the absolute best of his ability, New England's a team I think is capable of winning double-digit games this year. They have the coaching. They have the talent now. They're a much better team. But from a rookie perspective, they've brought in so many established veteran players. I don't know how much this draft class is going to help them at all. So Miami definitely, in my opinion, for year one impact, has a better draft class than New England uh, for what they're going to bring to the field in 2021. But even big picture for the team, you don't often see the teams that go wild in free agency like this. A lot of these guys are not going to live up to their expectations. It's impossible. Now, New England and how they structured their contract, perhaps like Miami did the year prior, will have flexibility to get out of a lot of those deals. And perhaps paying those players Overpaying those players is enough to get you to double-digit wins. It's going to come down to quarterback play for both teams. The coaches know each other extremely well. I think that they're equal in a lot of ways. But do you trust Tua Tungvaloa in year two to take the step forward to outperform a physically declining Cam Newton? or a physically less appealing, but presumably mentally uh, more high-level quarterback in Mac Jones. We'll leave that for when we do schedule prediction. But that's kind of where I stand as it pertains to the New England Patriots. They got better, uh, but so did the Dolphins. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to get in on all your favorite sports betting action Get all the latest news, odds, and info for your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and UFC. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information available. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game. Head over to BetOnline.ag, courtesy of your computer or mobile device, and sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, promo code locked on. Another promo code that may be of interest to you is locked15. It gets you 15% off the world's most delicious protein bar. It is a deal of all deals. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are delicious. Seriously, we're talking 10 plus flavors available at your disposal on any given week. High in protein, low in calories, low in sugar, high in fiber, 100% chocolate on all of their bars. Built Bar, whether you're looking for something to grab and go, something post-workout, something for breakfast, something for lunch, something for dinner, something for dessert, you name it. Built Bar can be it. 
So visit BillBar.com, use promo code LOCK15, and save 15% on your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. Let's finish with the Jets. Quarterback, Zach Wilson, BYU, at two. Elijah Vera Tucker, offensive lineman, USC, traded up from, four to, from 23 to 14 to draft Elijah Vera Tucker. Wide receiver, Elijah Moore, number 34 overall out of Ole Miss. Running back, Michael Carter, 107, North Carolina. And then they win defense the rest of the way. Fifth round, 146, 154, and 175. Linebacker, Jamie Sherwood from Auburn. He played safety at Auburn. Corner, Michael Carter from Duke. Corner, Jason Pinnock from Pittsburgh. Sixth round, 186, 200, 207. Hamsa Nasser-Ladin, Brandon Eagles, and Jonathan Marshall. Nasser-Ladin, safety from Florida State. Eagles, corner from Kentucky. And Jonathan Marshall, interior defensive lineman from Arkansas. How'd the Jets do? I appreciate what the Jets did in their first four picks. It was more than they did for Sam Darnold in three years. They took a quarterback at two, and they used their next three picks, including trading up for an offensive lineman, to surround him with weapons. Vera Tucker, Elijah Moore, and Michael Carter. That's the good news. This team's still not going to be good. The Jets are going to be better than they were last year, which you would hope is the case when they pick number two overall, and they are woefully, abysmally bad, and they have one of the worst coaches in recent memory, and he was given two years for some reason. Not quite sure why. But you look at this defensive death chart for the Jets, and then, you know that's the downside. Is It seems as though the Jets were honest with themselves. You look at what their decision-making process looked like early. It was all offense. Their defense was woefully bad. You got a defensive coach and Robert Sala coming in. Maybe Sala thinks he can bring some life. Obviously, they signed Carl Lawson in free agency, so they, they, got, they did get a big-name free agent. But this team's two years away. So if you're the Dolphins, your expectations should be very straightforward for, as it pertains to the New York Jets. You should want and expect that if you show up on Sunday or Thursday or Saturday or Monday or whatever night of the week it is, you show up and you do you and you take care of business, you should sweep the Jets again. You should sweep the Jets again. That is not a guarantee that that is going to happen. But that should be the standard for a team that's rebuilding. They're in year one. They're going to be starting a rookie quarterback who had bad process at times at BYU needs to learn what he can and can't get away with at the NFL level versus playing against the San Diego States and Boise States and all the other Mountain West teams of the world. It's a little different. Are the Jets better? Yes, but the low the bar was extremely low. And I do think the Dolphins, you know, maybe two years from now we look back on this Jets class and it pushes them in a trajectory that slingshots them much closer to Miami. But while the Jets got better, the Jets had so many problems and the Dolphins being further ahead in their rebuild, you kind of liken it to where Miami is now versus the Bills. Because the Bills started their rebuild a handful of seasons before the Dolphins did. And obviously the Bills did all the right things. They draft and develop. They had a good defensive-minded coach who was a good CEO and good leadership and communication skills and blah, 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 blah. They had a good process. Lo and behold, they won 10 games two years ago, and they won 13 games last year. 
Miami started their rebuild two or three years behind Buffalo. And now they're starting to get to the point in which the roster is taking shape. You draft and develop. And what it looks like two years from now could be really, really exciting. And whether the Bills are, are still in that window or they've had to transition and get rid of a bunch of people off that team, is that that's going to be the big challenge for them, including getting over the hump. But the Jets are at square one. And I don't think you can look at what the Jets did. And, and even though they had a good class, I don't think you can say that they're closer to Miami now because Miami's getting better outpaced the Jets is getting better. So this is a really exciting time for Miami because you look at what they did. I think they had the best draft from a talent perspective, year one and long term, at least based off my opinions of the players right now. And in the case of both the Jets and Patriots, the risk here, and Law of Averages says, you know, not everybody you draft, particularly a quarterback, is going to work out at the next level. Law of Averages tells you one of these two quarterbacks ain't going to be it. And the question is, how long does said team who drafted this player stay committed to him being it or not it? And of course, Law of Averages says between all four quarterbacks, two of the four will probably not be it. Tua Tungavaloa had some bright flashes. He'll need to sustain those week over week and avoid the valleys that came with the peaks last year. But I think this is the right skill group for him to do that. Speed, separation, vertical, down the field. Say what you will about the investments the Dolphins did or did not make at running back and center and so on. The offensive line's better. The passing game should be better. The coaching should be more trusting of Tua Tungvaloa. Tua is another year older. There's a lot to like. And we're going to find out what that schedule looks like tomorrow on the show. Because we're going to go through the schedule. And then on Friday, we're going to do a schedule prediction, way too early schedule prediction after I have a chance to sit down and process everything on Thursday. So that's what you have to look forward to. Make sure you hit subscribe. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs. Thanks, as always, for listening, checking out the show. Hope you guys have a great day today, and I hope to talk to you again tomorrow. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.